Excellent. Welcome to I See It But I Don't Believe It. Got uh, my Sydney supporting sisters with me, Imogen and Annie, to talk about another big Sydney issue. This one's a little bit less uplifting than others. Uh, we're going to talk about Adam Goods and the Respect Banner, which is an issue very close to all of our hearts because when a champion of the game gets booed out of the game, it's always disappointing. Also, the fact, making about myself for a moment, he retired on my birthday after they got knocked out of finals by one of my least favorite teams. So, all round bad. Um, but most of this happened in 2015. So I know it kind of started in 2014, but most of it happened in 2015 and it kind of came to a head, um, to the point where he actually took time away from the game. Um, but Goods is one of the most decorated players of our generation. Um, and he began being more outspoken about racism in Australia, being a really strong Aboriginal man. Um, winning Australian of the Year because of his work in Indigenous communities and all that sort of stuff. A lot of stuff that was really positive. Um, But winning Australian of the Year kind of turned a lot of unfortunate people against him, which um, became a very unpleasant situation. Mm. It was um, the most disappointed I've ever been in AFL. Yeah. And I think it was the closest I've ever come to not wanting to watch games anymore because not that anyone should be treated the way Adam was treated. I don't care if he was the worst player in the AFL. What happened to him was racism, pure and simple. But um, he, he's the greatest player the game's ever seen. Yeah. And to his career, which should be just celebrated for that, to be – um tarnished by people booing him out of his job. I mean, it's just sickening and it became, I used to go to games and just cry listening to him being booed. I I, like, um, it just became hard to watch and I can't imagine how it was for him to have to live through that. And I mean, credit to him because the way he speaks now, he talks about not being angry and, you know, he's moved on with his life, which is he's a stronger person than I am and a bigger person than I am because I couldn't do that. He's an amazing person. Well, he proved. And, I mean, we've spoken about the fact that he played a grand, won a grand final with a very severe injury, all those sorts of things. He's a very strong person. The fact that he got to the point where he decided he needed to step away from the game for a round, that says it all kind of, doesn't it, to people? But a lot of people that could have um, gone a long way in in fixing the problem earlier put their head in the sand, and a lot of the people that were doing the awful things uh, felt empowered by the fact that no one was coming out. No one at the AFL was coming out and saying what it was. Absolutely, and I think the thing is um, the AFL absolutely failed their duty of care to Adam Goods. Yeah. Um, people like said there was no simple solution to it. The AFL had to just tell people if they booed, they were being ejected from the ground. They should have done it because if you saw half a ground empty because they wouldn't stop booing, it would have stopped everyone else booing. Mm. Um, and obviously there was there was people in the AFL who came out and said that it was horrendous and it needed to stop. Um, the round that he missed. Yeah, we'll go through all the things that happened that round in a moment. Yeah, I mean 
lots of people were coming out saying it needs to be done, but the the leaders of the AFL said nothing and they, they were, really let him their, their response was pathetic, to be honest. Mm. So it probably um, the seeds got planted in people's minds a little bit earlier than him winning Australian of the Year because um, in 2013 when Sydney played Collingwood at the MCG, a 13-year-old girl um, called out a slur, which she probably, as a 13-year-old, wasn't aware of how significant what she said was, but was a representation of the cyclical issue at play here. Um, and he was obviously at the point similar to Nicky Winmar in 1994 where they'd had enough and they decided to call it out. So he pointed pointed the girl out and got her removed from the stadium. He followed it up though with requests that she don't be she don't be charged by the police. Requests that she receive education and that her family receive education. Um, spoke to her on the phone. Did a lot of things to. He, he was very specific in do not blame this girl because no. she's not the issue here. Mm. And for people that said that he wanted to attack a child. It's just simply not true. He wanted so much to protect her. Yeah. And he also sort of made it sound like that he wouldn't have pointed her out if he hadn't realised how young she was. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that game was an awful game. Like, I mean, I say I say awful in that. Um, so Sydney was winning it comfortably throughout the game. It was a Collingwood home game. I remember being at that game. And the Collingwood supporters were not taking it well. I th- I can't remember the exact scoreline, but people were leaving at halftime. It, it was yeah. an angry energy to and it, Yeah, it really was. It, it. I think all all people that support interstate teams, I think, know what it's like to feel unsafe at a game, an away game, because yeah. there's so few of you. And I remember that game being like that. It was a really ugly, ugly game. And I'm sure the players felt it. And... It didn't surprise me that it ended that way because of just how how bad it had been. And it wouldn't shock me if slurs like that had been thrown out the whole entire game. Yeah, and that was kind of his turning, his kind yeah. of camel or, uh, straw that broke the camel's back. Um, so I think he tried to deal with it in the most educational way he could uh, which is all you want, isn't it? Like to learn how to deal with these situations better and how how not to cause problems. Um, but the family obviously didn't take it very well. And Collingwood as a whole, um, the president who we could say a lot about um, on the night seemed to really take a leadership role and and do what he could to resolve the situation. And everyone's seen the photos of him, like, speaking to goods in the rooms afterwards. And we thought that it could be a really good turning point um, until a few days later where that same president uh, made a racist joke on radio, uh, statewide radio, uh, in a similar vein to the slur that was thrown out at the game and in doing so proving that, no one had learned anything from the situation. I think it was a really, uh, I don't know what the word is. It, not that any of us, I think, thought that, like, there was no racism in Australia or in the footy. There, there is, and there's so many issues that can be talked about. Yeah. Um, but I think this signified that when Eddie made that comment, um that he kind of thought he was above it because he behaved well mm. a few days pr- previously and it was like, I'm mates with Adam so I can say what I want. And, 
and I think that was one of the biggest issues is that people thought they could have a joke yeah. for a thing that they didn't experience and they didn't understand. Um, and that clearly bothered him a lot. Like, he'd proven that that was something that wasn't okay. Mm. And I, I think the other thing was we all think when we think about racism in AFL, we think about Nicky Winmar in 1994. We think that that's long gone. Yeah. We don't think about it. I don't think a lot of people think about it existing now. And a lot of the people that don't think about it existing now didn't see it as a problem then. Yeah, I agree. And I think the other thing is that the series of events that followed that moment mm. in in AFL um, was something that none of us could have seen coming. Yeah. So I'm just looking at um, – so it was – so 2015, right, he wins the – 2014. He won the show in a bit, yeah. Okay. And then two thousand, so and it was the two thousand and fifteen season. So in two thousand and fourteen, he won Australian Year, and in a speech, he stated very plainly um, and very rightly that the Australian Constitution is racist. Yep. Um, and that set off. Yeah, and things. I mean, at, at the same time, he and others had been part. Of, um, I mean, they're probably still part of it. I think it's called. Is it respect? The Respect Campaign, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and the also, Go organisation. And the Go organisation with yeah. Adam Goods and Michael O'Loughlin. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, when they have the um, Dream Time at the G, that organisation talks about the yeah. need to change the Australian Constitution, yeah. which is a whole sort so, of, it's a, it's, a, it's a different issue. I'm, I'm not an expert on it. Um, so he won Australian of the Year in 2014 and the booing started in the 2014 season when he returned from injury. Um and it was getting worse and worse, and I think we were all noticing it. And there was the Indigenous war dance that he did during Sir Doug Nichols' round against that was Carlton. 20, 20, so, this, so this was 2015. So it was it, the booing started in 2014, and it ramped up a lot, particularly during that final series. Mm-hmm. And then um, in 2015, it got significantly yeah, worse. Yeah, so I'm looking at – I can talk about this from a Melbourne – Based fans' perspective, yeah. yeah. So I'm looking, I'm looking at it, and I can't speak for the first few rounds because quite often the booing doesn't show on the television. You can't really hear it because you can't really hear what's going on in the crowd. Um, but I was at round six, so that was the first time Sydney played in Melbourne. This is Yeah, and it was against Melbourne, and I remember it then. And then we had a couple more games. Um, in Melbourne during that time, and then it was by round nine. That was the Carlton game. That and that was and, a bad and that game. was Sydney. and that was in Sydney. I remember being at that, and and that was when he he did the the, the war, war dance, dance. his yeah. war dance at that game. Which okay, context. He kicked the goal and was at the end with the Carlton cheer squad, and he stated publicly the day after that. He had something different planned if he kicked his first goal at the Sydney Cheer Squad end. It makes no sense to do a kind of friendship dance at the end of your enemy. So he had a different thing planned for each one, which makes logical sense. I don't think it was scary like people were saying. I think it was relevant to the situation. I would have no issue if they did it, Indigenous players did an Indigenous dance as a, war, as a goal celebration every round. I, I think, yeah, also relevant to it is that he was taught that dance by a group of under 16 uh, indigenous footballers yep which he wanted to show them that he could you could do that in, in a bigger stage and he and wanted to show them a sign of like 
recognition and respect. And also this was, I mean, footy's greatest ever player on his home ground during Indigenous round, yeah. doing yeah. a dance for his people, and it is a disgrace that he was in trouble, that he was, uh, you know, attacked for doing yeah. it. Yeah, what's the word, though? Confronting. Con- they said it was confronting. Confronting. Which is, which is, I think, a word that people... I mean, racists used to no, to and absolutely, and, and it's a, it's a, that's the sort of language that conservative people used during the gay marriage debate. Mm-hmm, they yeah. just find it confronting, mm-hmm. and it, it, it it's this word that sort of covers what they they actually mean. And I think that was a heartbreaking moment as well because it also revealed the true feelings of a lot of people who I I wish I didn't know what their true feelings were almost because that was when Barry Hall said that he um. Didn't want to see that on the field. Well, the whole commentary team had an issue with it. Even people that you think would not feel that way were showing that they felt that way. And it became – I mean, it was embarrassing. It it was horrific. I think the big issue with it is as well is that these people have a really widespread voice and a really respected voice, a lot of them, not all of them. Um, So their platform to then spout this became a big part of the issue is that – these people who represent football in Australia, um, who are revered by a lot of the people that then went on to make this issue so much worse, um, had backing. Yep. And I think, okay, so we're, so we're looking at that. That was round nine. And I think dates are important because it's sort of, it shows the progression. Yeah. So there was nothing coming in to stop it. No. So that was the 29th of May. Right, and then so Sydney after that stage, so they played Gold Coast. I can't speak for that game. Um, there was I don't know enough fans to boo anyway. There was a buy in there. I think they did try. To be honest with you, um, I, I just I they, don't recall a game where he wasn't booed. Either I heard or the people on Twitter yeah, spoke about. They played. They played Richmond um, as well. They played Port Adelaide. Um, in my head, the North Melbourne and Hawthorne ones were the worst. They stayed they, out the they, most. They played, they played Brisbane, then they played Hawthorne. Now, that was in Sydney, though, but that that wasn't a good game. But then the following week, so this is round 17, this was against West Coast. That was, yeah. And that kind of isn't spoken about as much now, but the game against West it Coast. It was over there, wasn't it? It was yeah, in WA. was when... Um, and this makes me really upset. Um, that was when Jeddah mm. came out in support of his friend. Yeah. And, and that's what he said at the time, that he was sick of his, basically that he was just sick of his friend being bullied and he, he wanted to do something to show him, to help him, basically. And I remember watching that dance mm. um, when Jeddah did that. I was at a bar in the city and I, like, was at a loss for words, which is rare for me. I, I could not believe I was so proud of Jeddah. I yeah. was just so proud of him. And that's in his home state too. Yeah. In his home state against a crowd who were just abusing him. And and the West Coast crowd is notoriously bad. It's a yeah. hostile crowd for anyone. I, I've never been there, but we've, we've, everyone's heard so many stories, so many different players, um, so many different teams have just just been hit with just vile abuse. Um and Lewis Jenner was a he's young, he was young, mm. and he'd been pretty a pretty quiet, unassuming guy until yeah. that point as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I mean, um, so he made himself unavailable for round eighteen. Yeah, Adam Goods did. Yeah. Can we go through what happened in that round? Because I think that is that's an important yeah. that shows the mindset of the bulk of players who were not 
supported by the higher-ups, which they needed to be. So he he made himself unavailable for round 18, 2015. So um, I'll talk about what the Swans did last, but Port Adelaide and Essendon had Gavin Wanganin and Michael Long before the game coming out and shaking hands and doing a few things. So two really respected Indigenous players of both of those clubs. Um, there was the I Stand With Adam um, campaign on socials where a lot of um, notable Australian actors, celebrities, um, were sharing recognition of him. So Kate Blanchett, Hugo Weaving, Richard Roxburgh, um, Bill Shorten, Peter Phelps, um, my friend's band did this, did something as well. Um, they all had T-shirts. Like a lot of musicians in Sydney had T-shirts which said I Stand With Adam on them. Um and then a lot of local footy clubs with a lot of younger kids all wore the number 37 on their arms or on their wrists for that for that round, for that weekend of their local leagues and were sharing it. Um, Richmond players wore indigenous their Indigenous jerseys against Hawthorne. Um, the Melbourne players wore red, yellow and black armbands. Um, Travis Varco wore an armband, armband with the Indigenous flag and the number 37 on it um, and was grabbing at it when he kicked a goal in celebration. Um, the Western Bulldogs wore their Indigenous jerseys as well. And their captain, Bob Murphy, wore a number 37 Indigenous jersey in recognition of Adam for the coin toss before the game. Um, Michael Walters and Daniel Pierce, um, over at, in Frio, um, did Indigenous dances in celebration of goods. And then the Swans. So they had, um, my favourite part of the whole round was... That the Swans had a banner that just said respect on it, and they all ran through that in in honor of Adam. And I think that was a really um, significant thing. And I think that was a way for the club to say something on the matter um, to a lot of people. The Swans crowd had a lot of Indigenous flags in the crowd, and there were a lot of um, signs that said "Love Goods, Racism Bad." Um, and then. In the third quarter at the seventh minute, so 37, his number, the crowd stood and applauded for a full minute and Kurt Tippett came out um, the next day and said that they didn't realise that was going to happen, the players, and they heard that and that lifted them as a team. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And they, they destroyed Adelaide that day and a lot of the players put it down to the fact that they were playing for goods and when they heard that from the crowd, they felt kind of buoyed by it. So those things are all ways for players who feel a little bit um, a little bit less powerful, I guess, at that level to come out and say, no, this is not right, you're meant to be our fans you should be representing what we want to represent. Yeah. And I think it was really uh, uplifting in a terrible situation that teams wore their Indigenous jerseys and did those things off their own back without direction from anyone because they wanted to make sure Adam knew that he was supported. Yeah, by I also wanted to point out um, 
Richmond also ran through a banner that said, we stand up for reconciliation, no silent bystanders. And um, Bob Murphy, apart from wearing the jumper with Goodsey's number on it, he wrote a beautiful article about Mm. Adam that week, um, which is, I'm just looking at it now, it's um, being directed to Adam Goods makes me hang my head in despair. Um, But he ended it by saying um, that basically that everyone should hang their heads in shame and that anyone that stops speaking up about this is part of the problem. And I thought that that was incredibly brave um, for an AFL captain to do when the AFL itself was unwilling to say anything. Yeah. And I think that say what you will about Richmond, um, they were the first ones that week to publicly say we're going to do something this Friday night. I felt like they gave Hawthorne the opportunity to do the same thing. Hawthorne didn't. I can't speak for individual Hawthorne players. It's not my place to do that. Um, I mean, a lot of them are probably friends with Adam Goods, you know what I mean? So I don't want to say that the Hawthorne players themselves um, dealt with that situation badly because it's, it, I, I can't prove that. Um, but it was – Hawthorne and Sydney have this horrible relationship and that didn't help the situation. But I remember, like, reading the news from Richmond um, and that was at a time when I felt like Richmond probably lacked leadership as a club Um they, you know, they, they weren't going well or anything like that. Um, and for them to come out and do that, I thought it was was really lovely um, as, as a team. But for also them to announce it earlier in the week, how hard is it to throw on an Indigenous Guernsey instead of your normal one? Like, that Hawthorne could have very easily done that. Um, and even if it was face value, it's still people seeing that you're doing something to defend someone that is being tormented. And they chose, they actively chose not to do anything. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is that there are some clubs that actively chose to not say anything. And it, it came up with the, um, the gay marriage vote as well. Yeah. A lot of clubs came out and actively said, yes, we are supporting this, blah, blah, blah. There were other clubs that actively said, we're not saying anything because they didn't want to lose X. Yeah. So it kind of represented not only the clubs that had leadership that either didn't care or felt the way of the fans that were doing the wrong thing or they cared too much about the hip pocket knowing that a lot of their fans were probably the perpetrators of this thing. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought, I mean, I don't have much nice to say about Hawthorne (laughs) on a good day, but I thought their reaction, considering their fans were some of the worst offenders of this abuse, their reaction was pathetic. They just did nothing. And as you said, it's not that hard to put on your Indigenous Guernsey that week to show, you know what, this isn't good enough. You can't do this to someone. And the club that's had a lot of really champion Indigenous players play at their club and that are synonymous with their club, they didn't want to defend that. But, I mean, their president had a history of being racist and things like that. So, I mean, what do you expect? But the, the week after, I think, was a really big thing for me as well. Um, Adam returned in round 19 and Sydney were going down to play Geelong in Geelong. So hostile environment is probably not the best way to return, but he felt buoyed by the what had happened the week before. He was really happy at training. There were a lot of photos of him at training that week, really positive and happy because of, of all those actions from the week before. Um, and you, we have to commend Geelong and their leadership for what they did. So they did a lot of stuff. They... Um, 
petition the AFL to let them do a live welcome to country at the ground rather than the traditional one that's just shown on the screen. Mm-hmm. They um, petitioned to remove every single piece of advertising and Geelong um, advertising around the ground and everything was just respect, unity and fairness. And despite it being their captain's 200th game, Joel Selwood's 200th game, who is the Geelong Football Club, they chose and asked to run through a joint banner that said respect and unity with the Swans all together. There was still stuff on either side of the banner with Joel Selwood's 200th and Luke Parker, I think it was his 100th game. But they they chose that this is bigger than them celebrating their captain's 200th. They wanted to do this, and I think Geelong deserve a lot of respect and um, I, I guess positive attention for they they went they didn't just do the bare minimum they mm. went to a lot of lengths and they implored their fans not to be a part of anything negative for the day that he would return and he and Adam Goods when he ran on he didn't start on the ground when he ran on he actually got cheers from the whole crowd and yeah. that was really big um, in the context of what had happened that season yeah and I mean especially because it was at um, Skilled Stadium Cardinal Park. Yeah, I <laughs> um, don't know what it was called. Yeah. Like I've got the picture up. It was skilled oh, stadium okay. at the time. Um, it's a it's a similar ground to um, like where Adelaide play or where West Coast play. In that you go fortress. there, yeah, it's a fortress. And if if you're an opposition team, you have the minimum number of supporters. Because um, they don't let you buy a ticket. No, no. So you know, like when when you go when you go to Geelong, you sit in that one bay, yeah. the, the little away bay, and you just sit there with all your other supporters, and that's it. That's all you've got, and you are surrounded, yeah. just surrounded by Geelong supporters, and they're used to winning as well. They're a good team. They don't like to lose, um, and so I think that added to it that they. They were able to get it all together so quickly and in such a respectful manner. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also credit. And his name has just escaped me. Um, okay. No. Um, Tom? Tom Hawkins. No. Harley. Yep. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. We got there in the end. I can't remember anyone's name unless it's Adam Good. Um, <laughs> or Buddy Frank. Or Buddy's amazing. Um, <laughs> Tom Harley, I mean, he obviously was instrumental in getting that organized as well yeah which is awesome and it, but it was awesome that Geelong were receptive to it but also I've been to a few like a few games um in Geelong against Sydney and Sydney often beat them there which I mean so it makes it more hostile because they don't like to lose particularly at home that was probably the nicest football crowd I've ever witnessed mm-hmm. um every time Adam did anything he was cheered by the whole crowd yeah and it was just even if the rest of the country weren't willing to get on board yet, that yeah, that, that crowd said, well, we're not going to do this. We're not going to yeah. stand for that. I mean, I think there were a few people there, um, but they were they were, it was, they were outnumbered and no one was happy with them. No, you could say Geelong supporters weren't happy with them. Sydney supporters, obviously, they were being stared at as looking like, why are you doing this? And it was the first time I could remember that the, in, in Victoria – that the booing was being, like, boos were being drowned out by Chiefs yeah. Adam. Yes. The, the Hawthorne game before he took that time away, 
I remember being the biggest thing of um, every time he got the ball, I'd sit obviously amongst the Swans cheer squad. They'd be ready to cheer as loudly as they possibly could every time he got the ball. You did everything you could. In a way, like in a – to try and drown it out. But when you're that outnumbered, it's really hard. But, yeah, Um, just a personal anecdote from later in that season. Um, It's really significant in my memory because – we played that, was it a semi against North Melbourne? Yeah. Um, and Sydney just ran out of legs that season. Um, and it was my birthday. And I was in I was in Tasmania uh, for my birthday. My friends were playing the last show of uh, quite a big tour. So I was choosing to watch, uh, go to the gig after that, all that sort of stuff. And they'd been, that my friends had been a big part of the I Stand With Adam movement with the T-shirts and all that sort of stuff. Um, a, a lot of my friends being of minority descent. And um, I remember watching the game and us losing and it being announced as I was walking to the gig afterwards that Adam had retired. Um, so I was pretty flat and I rocked up to the gig and I walked in and two of the guys in the band were wearing their I Stand With Adam t-shirts and I was so upset and I looked at them and I said, he's just retired. And they all thought that I was joking. And I was like, no, he's just retired. And they're like, oh, we didn't realize when we were wearing these T-shirts, we just knew the Swans were playing. And they just wanted to make sure that they were wearing it because the Swans were playing. They wanted to keep supporting him, even though it had been like, it it kind of had reached its peak earlier in the season. That game was horrendous and not because we lost. I mean, I, I couldn't care less about that, if I'm honest. Um, in the grand scheme of things, yeah. other than that, if we had a one, Goodsy would have got another game, and I liked watching him play footy. Yeah, but um, I just sobbed, and Annie will attest that I cried for about three hours because as I realised we were going to lose the game, and he hadn't announced it yet, but we all knew he was going to retire. Yeah, I couldn't believe that someone I'd been watching play footy since I was three years old was going to leave, and that it was going to leave in the way he was. And he was the North fans; you could hear them on the TV at a Sydney home ground just abusing him and I just sobbed because it was so awful to watch. But respect to who Adam is and who he like who he is as a person, first of all, his last act as a footballer was kicking a goal because he's incredible, guys. <laughs> the best the game's ever seen. <laughs> Everyone. It's not Gary Ablett Jr., okay? I'm so sorry. Um, but he... He just did it as he does everything. He just did it quietly. He retired in the rooms. He he didn't want to make a big show of anything, and he never did want to make a big show of himself, despite who he was. Like he he was he could have been as arrogant as he wanted to be because he's incredible, and he just wasn't who he was. Yeah. And he retired like that, and um, it was distressing. And I wish that I could watch him play footy forever because I miss watching him play footy. But um, I think that he retired on as much of his own terms as he could in the end, and it was. I think Sydney did everything they could to keep him as safe and protected in that moment as possible. Um, but it is sad that his career is always tarnished by this this fact. By other people, yeah. Yeah, and wasn't anything he'd done. He didn't. He, he didn't do anything wrong. He was a. He was, despite what some people might say, an incredibly fair and gracious player. And it's not like a Barry Hall who punched like no. King hit someone in the face, which caused and his he didn't, demise. He didn't have off-field scandals. He wasn't getting arrested. He wasn't. He wasn't doing anything other than playing really fucking good football. Um, while being Indigenous. While being yeah. Indigenous and having an opinion. Yeah. And it was – and it, not, not an opinion, stating a fucking fact about 
the issues with this country and they all just proved him right in their response afterwards. And, I mean, the first few games of 2016, I, I didn't enjoy watching them because I couldn't stop thinking about how much I missed just watching Adam Goods and how unfair it was that this had happened. And we were at his match um, in Sydney when they, they uh, yeah. did his lap of honour. With Mike Pike. With Mike Pike. And, amazing. I mean, bless Mike Pike, he sort of stood back to let Adam have that <laughs> because no one really cared Mike was there. But... um. And it was beautiful to be there. And the GWS crowd did not boo. No, they were great. They, yeah. were, they were really good and it was clear that they were going to be really respectful. But I, I don't know, know. You talk about Adam and there's just always that. You should talk about the fact that he's a dual Brownlow Brown medalist, two premierships. premierships, captain, all-Australian, Indigenous team of the century. Like the man is amazing and it's you should, that's all you should talk about. But all people can talk about when they think about him now is what these other assholes did to him and it's so disappointing. Yeah. I think, like, I, I feel like if his football career is a story, do you know what I mean? It has a really sad ending. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't think I'll ever get over that. No, because he deserves better. No, he absolutely does. And, I mean, he, he I suppose he started a conversation. I'm not sure if that was his aim. Um, but he started this conversation and it was so so hurtful and so dangerous and I mean some people weren't do you know what I mean and I suppose good for them good for our country but at the same time it was just awful it was that season was horrible that whole season was horrible I couldn't tell you a thing about what Sydney did how they played by the time we got to finals I was like I don't even care I don't I don't I don't want to be playing like playing finals I remember and I hate quoting people in case I get the wrong person, but I think it was Michael O'Loughlin said that he didn't want to take his kids he, to he games. He stopped taking his kids to games because, because they, they kept asking why their uncle was being booed. Yeah. And it, it was just horrible. It was like this unsafe thing, and it was also because I love the game of AFL so much, and we, were, we as a society, were letting this guy down. We were letting down all Indigenous people, um, and, it, and it just wasn't. It wasn't fair, and it, it's never going to be fair. No, and I, I also actually just want to – someone sent this to me today, actually. Um, a book they saw in Dimmicks called The Aussie Legends Alphabet, um, and the first page is A is for Adam Goods, an Aussie rule superstar who fought hard for his footy team and even harder for his people. And I think that's very true, but also for all the terribleness of what happened, it started an incredibly important conversation about how far Australia has to go yeah, in terms of their treatment of um, Indigenous people. Um, and, and how far the code had to go as well. And the AFL has, I think they're getting a little bit better, but they've got a long way to go because their response to that not that long ago was was pathetic. And um, I think a lot more players are standing up now as the, well. And yeah, more the players outspoken. were the inspiring people during that time. Yeah. Who, yeah. They, they took a stand, you know. Completely. It, all the Indigenous players that round that he didn't play, they were all doing dances when they got goals. You know, Nathan Jones is, like, touching his um, Indigenous flag um, band on his arm when he kicked a goal. Like, all Bob Murphy, all of them, they were all doing stuff to be like, this is just not going to – this is not on anymore. You can't do this. And, you know, when Lewis Jetta did the dance again um, in, Adelaide, uh, in Sydney when we played Adelaide and Kieran Jack standing behind him with his arms up, like, yeah. it, it – the players were the leadership of the AFL in that year. Yeah. Um, and I think if there was a current player that thought Adam Goods was in the wrong way, sure as fuck weren't speaking because they, I think they would have been drowned out by most of the code at that top time. But 
people like Gil McLaughlin were doing nothing at the time and it was, I think, embarrassing to see as an AFL fan. Um, yeah, to watch. And as, I mean, when Goodsy retired, Longmire said that, you know, there's been um, many great players to play for Sydney, but Adam was the greatest. And yeah. it's just very true. And he just deserved so much more than what he what he got. Yeah. And, I mean, I remember someone said, it was like, oh, you know, if he has kids, or when it was more, when he has children, like what a great father-son situation that would be. And someone else said, why would he want his kids to play this game? No. Um, and I can't speak for him, but I totally agree. It, And I really hope that he's welcomed back. And, I mean, I'm sure the AFL itself is welcoming him back at any time. I think they'd love to have him around at any time. But as a society, as football fans, I don't know when that will happen. And I don't know and I don't know if he'll ever let himself be subjected to that. And it was it was beautiful, I will say, um last year for our Indigenous Round to see the interviews with Michael Locke and Adam Goods and Buddy Franklin. They were that was really lovely. And that was sort of the first time Adam had sort of come back to footy a bit. And he was at I think he's open to the club less so the A. The AFL. I yeah. think I think he's open to be there for Sydney because he loves that club. But um yeah, I agree. I don't think he wants to be there for the AFL and they don't deserve him anyway. Exactly, exactly. Should we wrap it up there? I just want to mention that I know this is a little bit more somber than the usual episodes of I see it, but I don't believe it. But I thought it was a really important conversation to be had as Sydney fans. Um none of us are indigenous, so none of us can speak on that side of things but I think just as fans seeing someone going through this it was an important conversation to have and um this was our platform to do it so thank you and we'll be back in a couple of days with another episode of I say but I don't believe it catch ya hi I'm Daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.